You're listening to the Harbor Worship Center podcast with Pastor Mike Saint. For more information about the Harbor Worship Center, please visit us at harborwc.com. Enjoy today's message. We have to say to you today and so many things that we want to, to uh, advertise and preach and play and sing, but the most important thing that we do on any given Sunday is to bring you the Word of God. Amen. That is, the, that is paramount. That's why we live. That's why we exist. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to Romans chapter 4. <clears throat> and I want to begin reading with verse number 18. In Romans 4 and 18, it said, Even when there was no reason for hope, Abraham kept hoping, believing that he would become the father of many nations. <clears throat> for God had said to him, That's how many descendants you will have. And Abraham's faith did not weaken, even though at about a hundred years old, he figured his body was as good as dead, and so was Sarah's womb. Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. In fact, his faith grew stronger. In this, he brought glory to God. He was fully convinced that God is able to do whatever He promises. And because of Abraham's faith, God counted him as righteous. And when God counted him as righteous, it wasn't just for Abraham's benefit. It was recorded for our benefit too. Assuring us that God will also count us as righteous if we believe in Him. The one who raised Jesus, our Lord, from the dead. He was handed over to die because of our sins. And He was raised to life to make us right with God. Amen. And in that passage of scripture, I want to establish the foundation of this message that you and I can have unshakable faith. That doesn't mean that things are not going to happen that will shake you sometimes to your core. That doesn't mean that there's not going to be devastating events in your life and circumstances that are going to mess you up sometimes. It literally means this, that no matter what I go through, no matter how shaken and no matter how devastated I may be, I'll be like the old palm tree. Then my late pastor, Darrell Glass, preached as good as any pastor ever preached. He said, we're accustomed to them here on the East Coast with 200 mile an hour winds. A palm tree that is beautiful and majestic. It'll literally bend and bow down until its leaves touch the earth. And when the hurricane passes by, because of the depth of its root, that old palm tree will stand right back up, look at the hurricane and say, I'm still standing. I'm still here. Amen. You might have shook me to the core. You might have leaned me all the way to my leaves, kissed the earth. But here I stand. And I'm going to tell you something. If you put your roots down in the Lord Jesus Christ, I don't care what has come your way, how bad you've been shaking and rattling and rolling. When the storm passes by, you're going to stand up tall and say, Blessed be my rock, the Lord my Redeemer lives. I was drinking coffee this morning watching Fox News and I ran across a 
story. It hit me because last night they mentioned it, that Christianity has dropped eight percentage points since 2007 in America. The people who call themselves Christians, eight percentage points. And you wonder why our mission is to reach the lost, to educate them, and to deploy them in kingdom service. I'm telling you because if we don't do it, nobody else is. And Christianity is dying in this country. And you and I are tasked to do something about it. And we must have unshakable faith to do it. Coupled with what last night's news said this morning, I learned that in the t same time span from 07 to 14, atheism has almost doubled in the country. Atheism has almost doubled. Now here's the bright side because you know me, I'm an eternal optimist. I don't care what you tell me, I'm going to find the bright side of it. I don't care how bad you look at somebody and say how awful they are. I'm going to put a tin on their head and look until I find it. Now, I'm still looking for some of you. Are you with me? But I'm going to find some good in you because you're not trash because you're made in the image of God. So, listen, uh, we've got to do something. Here's the, the silver lining. 93% of Americans still say there is a God. Now, some of them just say he's a higher power, whatever, but 93%. I'm telling you, that, that nowhere near, only 17.5% actually go to church on Sunday. Now, about 20-something percent will tell you they go, but they don't go. Are you with me? They go on Easter. They may go at Christmas to watch a kid play or something. But, but I'm telling you, you and I have got our work cut out for us, and we must have unshakable faith. Tell your neighbor, unshakable faith. Here's what I want you to know about your faith. You need to understand this. You've got to get this. If you don't get this, you're, gonna, you're, you're just going to miss it all together. Your faith is going to be tested. Listen, if you have something that has not been tested, it ain't worth a dime. If I buy a product, I want to make sure it was tested. Amen? I'm a skydiver. I want to make sure that all of that material passed quality control. I want to make sure those lines can indeed hold 700 pounds apiece. All 40 or 50 of them. I want to make sure that harness can hold 5,000 pounds like it says it can. If you've got a piece of equipment, I don't care if it's a vacuum cleaner or an automobile, you want to make sure that it's been tested. But we want to go through life and don't have to worry about no test. We want God to use us unproven. Hello, well, God called me and all of a sudden we feel like we ought to be the Bill Gates of the religious world. But you need to know that your faith is going to be tested. I'm going to tell you all something. God has tested me on numerous occasions. Amen. He tested me on numerous occasions. I remember, I mean, I've done something real dumb and, and God just used it anyway. I mean, you know, God takes all things and works it together for the good of them that love the Lord and call according to His purpose. Right? I told y'all how I joined the Air Force, right? I took Kelly to work and then I went and saw the recruiter, joined, signed up, took the ASVAB and got a ship date before I picked her up that night. Now, I'm not telling you that's the best thing for your marriage. God took my stupidity and worked it all out. Are you with me? You need to converse about those things. You need to talk about those things, but I didn't. But God worked it all out. But after I, uh, God just really began to deal with me, I spent four years. I was about to get out of the Air Force, and I'm thinking, oh, Lord, what am I? You know, I've been, I've been living on Uncle Sam now for four years. I've had my health insurance paid. I've had my dental insurance paid. 
I've had some pretty good tax breaks. I've had this and I've had that, but now it's all going away. What am I going to do? And it was a great test of faith. And for nine months, the Lord really tested my faith. And then, you know, God uh, gave me an opportunity for a great job to go on staff at the Forest Street Church of God. My first invitation to full-time ministry. And the promise was, it wasn't as bad as Mom's promise last week, but it was $984 a month in pledges for me and my family of four. Are you all with me? Say amen. Now, if you don't think that's a test of faith, that's a test of faith. I told the pastor if we could make that up to $1,200, this was really dumb of me, I wouldn't even get a, a part-time job. Now, see, you got to understand, $1,200 was my gross pay per month. It was pretty gross, wasn't it? And I had to work on all of that. But if this was a test of faith. And then, as if that wasn't enough, I want to tell you something. God really took care of me. I'm telling you, God took care of me for the next two years. I went on staff there. We had a great time. And then I got a phone call one day. Uh, the overseer was wanting to meet me. And I was thinking, oh, my Lord, what in the world is this about? I didn't have no idea. But my pastor was going on vacation. And he said, Mike, you need to call Brother Landreth. He's looking for you. And I thought, my Lord, what have I done? I start recounting my steps and who I've talked to and what kind of... Anyway, he calls me and says, listen, are you still interested in pastoring? I said, never have said I was interested in pastoring. Never filled out no request. Never, never said nothing to anybody about pastoring. He said, well, come to my office on Tuesday morning, 9 o'clock, and I'm shaking in my boots. But anyway, I went there. Howbeit, the night before I went there, I dreamed that she and I moved to Claxton, Georgia, the fruitcake capital of the world. Nothing is there except fruitcakes and chickens. And Ken and Tara was. That's where they grew up. Strangely enough, he and I had met in the Air Force. He had already gotten out of service a few years before me, went on back home and whatever. But nonetheless, I got there, and the overseer said, i got two churches I want you to consider going to become the pastor of. One of them's in Richmond Hill, the other is in Claxton. I said, well, Richmond Hill is out of there. Well, you know, it's got the better facility and whatever. I said, well, um, I had a dream last night. You've got to understand, six months, seven months prior, I had built a three-bedroom brick house on a half acre of land within two miles of Wild Adventures. Now, Wild Adventures wasn't there yet. It was coming by faith. We didn't even know that. But nonetheless, what I'm simply saying is this. This was a test of faith. And I got a real big promotion. You know, all 30 people there that night at the meeting voted for me to come. How many of you know 30 people come to a business meeting? That don't mean they're running 30. That means they scraped up 30 to come to the business meeting to convince the overseer. So I resign as associate pastor, take my family from that three-bedroom brick beautiful home that's seven months old where she picked out the, the range and the this and the that and the cabinets and the flooring because y'all know how I am about colors. I don't care. She does care. She had picked it all out. We had spent weeks that summer planting rose bushes and caladiums and flowers and banana trees and you name it, man. This, you know, for us, it was our little paradise. But God said, it's time to go. We left and went to a falling down, literally, single wide trailer on the side of Highway 280 in Claxton, Georgia. Are y'all hearing me? I mean, if you ran the bathtub more than about four inches, you'd find yourself sitting around the skirting of the trailer. 
If it rained and you touched the light switch going out the back door, you'd think you was in the electric chair. I'm not kidding you. A test of faith. And my wife said to me, what in the world were we thinking? I had been evangelizing, and I went and preached there six or seven months earlier, and I said to her as we was leaving the parking lot that day, I said, I'll tell you one thing for sure, I won't never come here to pastor. Don't ever tell God what you will do or will not do. I was supposed to be back that August to run a week's revival. I was back that August to be pastor for the next five years and two months. Are you hearing me say amen? God has a sense of humor. God tested my faith. I got a big promotion. I went there and got $280 a week. And paid half of all my utilities and all that stuff because the church was not strong enough to, to do that. But nonetheless, what I'm saying, it was a test of faith. We grew from those 30, that 30 down to about 18 in six months. I said to myself, man, I'm calling my former pastors. What am I doing wrong? I, I, I thought God called me to preach and win people. I want to tell you something. Everybody that thinks that you called and cut out to be a pastor, I want you to walk with me a few days. Are you with me? Say Amen. In fact, you see the glory days right now, but you don't know. Oh, T.D. Jake said it best. You see the glory, but you don't know the story. Uh, that's how he said it. Anyway, after getting it down to about 18, we successfully grew back to about 90-some-odd, right? Bumping 100 every now and then before we left in five years. I'm saying that was kind of my test of faith. And, and then... I had this big, bold idea because God had given me a promise. Uh, he told me one night to go to the sanctuary and pray. I said, Lord, I don't need to go to the sanctuary and pray. I can pray right here beside the bed. But the Lord urged me, go to the sanctuary and pray. So I got up, walked down that long, dark hallway, got in the sanctuary, turned on the light, and I'm praying. And I got through praying, and I was praying about moving. I'd not been there two and a half years, three years. It was actually three years, went through a hard year, told the Lord I wasn't doing that no more, and uh, wasn't sure that I was supposed to be in pastor, and I knew I was supposed to be preaching. And uh, I, I said, Lord, there's got to be something easier than this. And uh, the Lord said, I'm going to lead you to a city. I said, all right, Lord. He told me to turn to a certain passage in Scripture, and I turned it. He spoke to David and said, the Lord, I have heard thy prayer from the sanctuary. That's why the Lord said to me, get out of your bed and go to the sanctuary so I can speak to you my word that says I've heard your prayer from the sanctuary. I got back in the house and Kelly was not sleeping uh, like I had thought. She was crying over on her knees beside the couch. She said, I want to show you what God showed me while you was going to pray. I didn't tell her what I was going to pray about. She was reading from Psalm 104, verses 4 through 7. It said, Hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted within them. They wandered in a wilderness in a desolate way. Hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted within them. But the Lord led them forth by the right way that they might go to a city of habitation. Boy, I, I, was, I was excited as you are. I was excited and scared. I was excited. I, I made an appointment to go see the overseer, and he didn't see it quite the way I did. He said, Pastor Sainz, you've taken that out of context, etc. Cetera, et cetera. I said, well, I know, but I've seen a lot of y'all guys do that, you know, and you tell us how the Lord spoke to you, and I don't reckon none of the, God don't speak to none of us pastor in 50 or 60 or 80. And so anyway, I felt that way, and, you know, I had to wait on that overseer to go. 
Two more years. How many of you know sometimes God shows you something and it's not for right now. Sometimes it's next year. Sometimes it's the next year. So nonetheless, in the time, then all of a sudden an overseer called me one day. I done forgot about moving. He said, I want you to go to Kingsland. I said, Kingsland? Oh, that sounds like a great place. The King's Land. Let me go down and see it. Whoo. I came down so excited. I'm supposed to be coming to this beautiful, magnificent district church and... I didn't even go in. I didn't even drive in the parking lot. I drove past the front, called him back, and said, I ain't going. That's sorry of me, I'm telling you. That's sorry of me. But that's what I said. A month later, he called me back. Two months later, he, he said, well, I'm going to find you a church. I said, okay, praise the Lord. He's on his way to Texas, and he called me. His name is W.F. Williams. He's our general overseer's father. He was a state overseer, William F. Williams. That was his name. And he called me. He said, I'm on my way to carry Rose, that's his wife, to Texas to the doctor, and the Lord's dealing with me about you going to Kingsland. I said, uh, we've already discussed this. I'm not going to Kingsland. He said, but I want you to pray about it. And I said, okay, Lord, I'll pray about it. So, uh, I, I said, I'll pray about it. He said, no, I want you to pray and fast about it. I said, all right. So I told Kelly, I got off the phone. I said, I'm going to pray about it right now. I'm going to fast breakfast. I'm going to call him in the morning at lunch and tell him I ain't doing <laughs> And that's what I intend to do. So I prayed about it that night. She prayed about it that night. Strangely enough, we both had a dream that night. A dream we moved to. Kingsland and had built a big old church. And I saw scores, scores of young people, couples our age. I was about 28 or 29 at the time. And the Lord spoke to me as surely as I'm standing before you today when I woke up and said, they'll go to hell if you don't go. I said, all right, Lord. And, and that's the quick skinny of it because I got to move on. But I'm going to tell you something. I come down, I looked and things was horrible, and I said, nah, I don't want to go, and, uh, and I got here, and it was worse than I had first thought, and it, it, was, it was bad, and I, I, knelt, and I didn't have no uh, bunch of prayer warriors. I had a handful of people that was here, and, and that was it, the Hopkins and the Rollins and Mary Lou and uh, just a handful of people, and, and that was it. Some of our older ladies that have gone on to be with the Lord, that Sister Clara and different Sister Highsmith and Sister Bass, different ones. And I prayed and sought the Lord, and the Lord said, I'm going to make everything right. I'm going to bring you back to square one. I want to tell you something. The church owed $78,300. Did you know what? I said, how in the world, Lord, are you going to do this? Within about a year and a half or two of me coming here, Mr. Bailey died. Guess what? He left grants for the churches. You know how much they gave me? Me and Eddie Hopkins sat there in the Methodist church, and we sat there. We opened up that thing. They gave us $78,100. Are you hearing me? And God says, there it is. I've done exactly what I told you. What I'm telling you is this. You can have unshakable faith that says no matter what the circumstances look like, you can go. Now, I'm going to tell you, here's what I did. I told the Lord, I told the overseer, no. I said, I'm not going. Guess what? I'm driving down the road in my F-100 pickup truck, and I hear a commentator say, Camden County, Georgia, right now, is the fastest, this is 1995, the fastest growing county in the United States of America. The Lord spoke to me and said, listen here, I'm trying to take you to the fastest growing county in the nation and you're telling the overseer no because it don't measure up to your expectations I said alright Lord anyway there's a whole lot more to that uh, 
Go to H track and they can tell you about that. Uh, all that testimony is there. But I, I, I need to move on. Your faith is going to be tested. But you've got to understand the steps of a righteous man are ordered of the Lord. The Word says it in Psalms 37. You've got to understand if in all my ways I acknowledge Him, He shall direct my path. Proverbs 3 and 6 says. Now here's why you need to know that. You've got to know your, your faith is going to be tested. And the reason you've got to know it is so, and, and Cheryl, you didn't even know it, but she said it this morning, so that you don't lose heart or lose hope when you're going through those dry places, those arid places, those places where it seems like God's a million miles away. Listen, you've got to understand this today, that your faith is going to be tested because if you don't go into it with that understanding, you're going to lose heart. I, I bet you among us, many of you have, have, have had to come up with some pretty good faith. You tried to start a business or you did start one. You, you did ministry, you went to school, you pursued a degree, you changed jobs. All of these life-changing decisions not only affect you, but those closest to you as well. And it's important for you to understand that your faith is going to be tested because if you don't get that, you could lose hope and grow faint in your faith. And Paul said, don't, don't, don't grow weary and well-doing. Now, let me, let me get back to what I, I read to you a text, and I don't want to just leave you out there. I got a little carried away with my own testimony to apply the point. But note, notice this. Here's what I want you to do. Because you know your faith is going to be tested, and I don't want you to lose heart. Put your confidence in God. Put your hope in the Lord. And you're not going to be ashamed. Watch this. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, Hebrews 11 and, 2, or 11 and 1. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. Faith is what we hold on to until what we're praying for shows up. Don't you know we serve a God that calls the things that are not as though they are? Watch this. In... in Genesis 12, let me just read a little passage. Here's what the Lord said to Abraham. Get out of your country, from your family and from your father's house, to a land that I'm going to show you. And, and I'll make you a great nation. I'll bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I'll bless those that bless you and curse those that curse you, and all the families of the earth will be blessed. God told Abraham to leave Ur of the Chaldees, modern-day Iraq. Abraham was wealthy. Abraham had great possessions. Abraham had status. Abraham had all of these things. And he was asked to leave his country, his kindred, his fortune, to just go. Go look for a city whose builder and maker is God. Can you imagine? Abe, where are you going? I don't really know. Well, you're a pretty smart man. You mean you're going somewhere you don't know? Well, God told me he'd tell me on the way. You mean you're going to risk leaving your family? You're going to leave your fortune? You're going to risk your reputation on hunting a city that you don't even know where it's at? God said he'd show it to me. God said he would make of me a great nation. Are you all with me? Say amen. Unshakable faith. Understand this, that God promised Abraham a son from his own loins when he was 75 years old. That's pretty strong. Now let me just get real with you. There wasn't no Cialis. 
There wasn't no Viagra. Huh? Can we just be real? I know some of y'all blushing out there. There wasn't none of these helps. And the Bible said Abraham did not consider the deadness of his own body, nor the deadness of Sarah's womb. Are y'all hearing me? Well, let's go on. He's asked to leave. This took a huge and complete leap of faith to do it. To let everything go. When's the last time you just said, all right, God, reckless abandon, here I go. Huh? From Abraham's life, we can learn that we don't always understand everything at the outset. Some of us, that's the reason we're still standing right there. We're scared out of our mind that God's not going to meet us. I'm going to tell you something. You'll never steal second base with your foot on first. Yes, you might get thrown out, but you might steal second. You might advance a runner. Are you, are you hearing me? Um, some of you, Abraham waited 25 years, and some of you hadn't waited 25 days. And you're already giving up on God. Our simple obedience is indicative of our faith. Who is going to follow among us today? Who is going to go today? Who is going to trust today? Who among us wants an unshakable faith? In Genesis 15, God reiterated what he said in chapter 12. I'd like to paraphrase and I'll try to move on. God reiterated his promise to Abraham. He took him out one night in Genesis 15 underneath the stars of the heaven. He says, Abraham, would you look up? Abraham looked up. What do you see, son? I see stars. Can you count them? Noah, one, two, three. God, there's so many. I just, 20, 40, 80, 100, 500. I, I can't count them, God. God said, son. That's how your descendants will be. If you could count the stars in the heaven tonight, you could count your children. He says, God, I'm 75 years old. I'm near 80 now. You promised me this five, six years ago, and I ain't seen nothing yet. I just don't know, but I'm trying to believe you. He said, but I tell you, if you was able to count them, you could count your children. And, and you know, how many of you, I don't know about you, but, but me, I need God to reassure me every now and then. You know, during that two years time I was in the sanctuary that night before I actually left, I needed God to come alongside me and say, Hey, I still I ain't thought I hadn't forgot about your prayer. I hadn't forgot that I, I promised you I'm gonna lead you to a city. I need God to just come along with me every day. And I know you're probably stronger than that, but in Genesis seventeen, we find this. Abraham was ninety nine years old now. Twenty four years has gone by. Are y'all with me? Somebody say twenty four. And the Lord appeared to Abram and said, I am the Almighty God. Walk before me blameless, and I'll make my covenant between me and you. Can you imagine, Abraham, wait a minute, God, for 24 years, 24 years you've been telling me this. I'm, I'm going to have a son and I, all this, and I just, it ain't happened yet, God. Some of y'all starting to feel that little itch. It's called conviction. I'm the mighty God. Walk before me blameless. He said, I'm going to make a covenant between you, and I will multiply you exceedingly. And watch it. Abram, verse 3, fell on his face, and God talked with him, saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be a father of many nations. Put up Genesis 18, if we may. 
In Genesis 18, I'm going to read this quick. I, I, I just want to get it. Here's Genesis 18. You've got to get it. This is right after this talk in chapter 17. The Lord appeared to Abram near the oak belonging to Mamre. One, of Abraham, one day Abraham was sitting at the entrance to the tent during the hottest part of the day. And he looked up and noticed there's three men standing by there. And he saw them and he ran to meet them and welcomed them, bowing low to the ground. My Lord, he said, if it pleases you. Stop here for a while, and in the shade of this tree, while water is brought to wash your feet. And since Abram honored, um, and since you've honored your servant with this visit, Abram's talking to actually the Lord. Let me prepare some fresh um, and refresh you that you could continue on your journey. All right, they said, do as you've said. So Abraham ran back to the tent. Now I want y'all to catch this. How old is Abraham? Ninety-nine. Abraham ran back to the tent. And he said to Sarah, who was 90, Hurry! Get three large measures of the best flour. Knead it in the dough and bake some bread. Abraham ran out to the herd. Watch this. Abraham ran out to the herd and chose a tender calf and gave it to his servant who quickly prepared it. When the food was ready, Abraham took some yogurt and milk and roasted meat, and he served it to the men, and they ate, and Abraham waited on them in the shade of the trees. Here comes the question the Lord says. And in fact, if you'll study this, this was Jesus here. Where is Sarah, your wife, the visitors asked. She's inside the tent, Abram replied. Um, then one of them said, I'll return to you about this time next year, and your wife, Sarah, will have a son. Sarah was listening to the conversation from the tent. Abraham and Sarah were both old by this time. Sarah was long past the age of having children. She laughed silently to herself and said, How could a worn out old woman like me enjoy such a pleasure? Especially my master, my husband, is so old. Now, what you saying? She didn't laugh out loud, she laughed to herself. And then the Lord said, You notice that capital L? I told you it was the Lord. The Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh? Why did she say, can an old woman like me have a baby? Why? And she says, you know, is anything too hard for the Lord? He asked, I will return about this time and Sarah will have a son. Sarah was afraid and she denied it saying, I didn't laugh. Now that's bad when you lie straight to the Lord. I didn't laugh. And the Lord said, no, but you did laugh. The Lord kept his word, did as, and the Lord kept his word and did for Sarah exactly as he had promised. She became pregnant, gave birth to a son. Abraham, uh, for Abraham in his old age, this happened just in time as God said it would. I want to tell you something. And um, I, I want you to notice with me, uh, in fact, Genesis 21, 1 through 7, the Bible says the word, the Lord rather, kept his word, and he did for Sarah exactly what he had promised that he would do. She became pregnant, gave birth. God is a God of his word. Unshakable faith. 25 years in the making. Oh man, time would fail me to tell of other. But 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 why why do you need to follow follow Abraham, the father of faith? Why do we need to follow his footsteps and put our confidence in God? Why? I'm glad you asked. Because 
we too can live a life of confidence in God no matter what we're going through. No matter how strung out your child might be, no matter how messed up your marriage might be, no matter how terrible your finances might be, we can still cast our cares on the Lord with unshakable faith and abandon and watch God come through for us anyway. So you need to know it so that you can live a life of confidence with great faith. Listen, you will never know until you try. I'm going to tell you something. Was I scared to resign and leave my brand spanking new house? You bet I was scared. As the father of, of, of the children and the priest of my home, the head of my household, when, when I looked my wife in the eyes and said, it's going to be all right. I remember we moved there to Claxton and times was tough. And I said to her, with all the faith I could muster, in a year, we'll build a new parsonage. We'll replace this. you got to understand, I'm in a rural county that probably 85% of the people lived in mobile homes. And there's nothing wrong with it. Nothing wrong with it. Matter of fact, when we bought one, we bought a, a, a brand new uh, double wide and put it there as a parsonage. I'm going to tell you something. I couldn't do it in 12 months. I, I went back to her and I said, I'm sorry. And I, we've worked as hard as we can. We visited, we preached, we prayed, we've we done revivals, we've done everything we could do, and the church was starting to grow. But it took 18 months to do it. Couldn't do it in 12. I want to tell you something. God's timing is not always your timing. But I had an unshakable faith that said, if I've been called by God to go, I will go. I had people that tried to starve me out. I had people that was the backbone, the money people in the church. And they hemmed me up as a, you got to think, a young 24-year-old pastor. And they said, well, you better make so-and-so the youth leader and so-and-so the song director or this one, that one. And if you don't do that, we're going to pull all our money out of church. And we got a lot of influence. Somehow the Holy Ghost made this crazy white boy bold. And I said, take everybody you can get that will listen to you and leave. And then I went home and cried. I said, what did I just do? I just now committed pastoral suicide. And within just a few months, all five families walked all of the money that was coming, I mean big money, and they wasn't no big money, but for that size church, they were contractors and this, that, and the other. Here's, I'm going to tell you what my God done. We had a little radio broadcast on Sunday mornings from 8 o'clock to 8.15. And I'm going to tell you something. In the next 11 months, we broke five all-time tithe records since the inception of the church. Are you with me? What I said is if I go to the poultry plant and get a job and go to work, if God sent me here, I'm going to see it through. And my God is going to help me do what he called me to do. And I'm going to tell you something. If you have that kind of abandon, you can do it. The problem is this. So many of you won't try. And I know I'm trying to close. i got to land this thing. But I'm going to tell you something. Our, our former overseer, Brother Ray Garner, great overseer. 
He called me one day. Our church was doing well in the old church. We were breaking records and setting numbers and records. And he called me. I never had an overseer call me and say like this. He said, Brother Michael, when are you going to build a church? I said, I'm trying as hard as I can. I was talking about people. He was talking about building. I said, I'm trying as hard as I can. He said, I'll tell you something. If you would build right now, your church would blow up. It would mushroom. I said, I know it, but, you know, I, I, we bought the land back in 07, but he come and sat down in the old office building and he looked me in the face and he said, if you'll take the step, the people will follow you. If you'll lead the way, they'll come with you. It'll be hard. It'll be trying. But if you'll lead, God will lead you to do greater things you never dreamed. He looked at me and he said, have you ever heard the scripture? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He said, what you're telling me is with man, this is impossible. And he said, that's exactly right. With you, it is impossible. But it is not you. It is him. And then he looked at me and said, if you don't have the faith to do it, go get you a job flipping hamburgers at McDonald's or Burger King or something. He said, it don't take no faith to flip a hamburger. I'm not knocking. Listen to me. I have, I've cooked in the restaurants. I'm not knocking it. His comparison was simply this. If you're going to do kingdom work, you've got to lead or get out of the way. I'm going to tell you something. In order to lead, you've got to have unshakable faith. Husbands, in order to lead your family, you've got to have unshakable faith. Single moms, in order to lead that family, that, those children where you have no husband there, it's going to take unshakable faith. I want you to stand with me. I know time is getting by. Here's what, I, here's what I know. This is the word that the Lord gave me just the other day. If you will take a step of faith, and then another step, then another step, pretty soon you will take a walk of faith, and pretty soon you will live a journey faith you live a journey of faith everybody's faith is going to be tested there's no exception I don't care what your pedigree I don't care what what you have on the wall I don't care what bloodline you are doesn't matter your faith is going to be tested hey do you think that was the only time Abram was tested Abraham no no that boy come along and when that boy was about 17 years old the Lord spoke to him and said Abraham I want you to take that boy Young strapping lad that I promised you and you waited 25 years. I want you to take him on the top of Mount Moriah. I want you to bind him to an altar and take a knife and cut his throat. Light a fire and burn him as a sacrifice to me, your God. Now, God, you ain't making sense now. I've prayed for 25 years. I've believed you for 25 years. The boy's about 16, 17 years old. And now you want me to kill him? God, you ain't making sense. And God did not want him to kill him. He wanted to see if he was willing to obey him. Abraham said to Sarah, I and the lad will go yonder and worship. I want you to see the faith. I and the lad will return. The writer of Hebrews said that Abraham had enough faith that he believed if he killed him that God would raise him right off that altar. The Bible said Abraham built the fire 
Isaac said, Dad, we're walking up. We have the wood. We got the rope. We got the knife. But where is the sacrifice? And Abraham said, Son, God will provide a ram. God will provide a sacrifice. He took it. Now, I want you to understand, this was a picture of the crucifixion. You got to get this. Because Isaac was old enough. His daddy was 117 years old. He could have whipped him. He could have outrun him. Isaac laid down on the altar. Just like Jesus, nobody takes my life, but I've laid it down freely. Isaac allowed his father to bind him. And as he prayed, here's this old man, 117 years old, grabs a knife, and he draws it back, and he comes down, reckless abandoned, and all of a sudden the knife's going down, and with everything in it, and all of a sudden an angel stayed his hand, said, don't hurt him. That's enough. I've tested you. I've tested you. You are the friend of God. That is unshakable faith. It says God will raise him up. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit us at harborwc.com.